Hello, welcome to The Limelight, a Castos Originals production. I'm your host, Craig Hewitt. Here each episode, we're chatting with podcasters who are doing interesting and innovative things with their shows in an effort to help us level up our podcasting game and improve our craft. Our goal with this podcast is to have it be one of the resources you go to to find out what's working and maybe even what's not in podcasting today to help you make a better show. And now, on with the podcast. Hello, welcome back to The Limelight. I'm Craig Hewitt from Castos. This episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Mike Conrad from Reliability Matters. Uh, it's really great. Mike and I just dove right in <laughs> to this episode. Uh, and so we'll be joining our discussion kind of right right in the middle of it. Rookie mistake on my end. After eight years, I wasn't recording the entire time. So like tip number one for this episode is just record as soon as you get on with someone because all the great stuff happens right when you get get speaking with with a new guest. Uh, my mistake, but but your benefit that, that Mike and I have a lot of really great stuff to talk about, about kind of authenticity uh, and being your true self. And uh, from a business perspective, if you're podcasting for your brand, a lesson Mike learned kind of the hard way about um, giving and, and, and having like a, a growth mindset around creating content and being useful uh, and, and his approach to growing his business versus kind of promotional and ads and things like that. So really interesting conversation with someone who uh, I think Mike would say uh, used to be kind of a, a kind of pushy business person uh, and is now just like a, a really great giver of knowledge and wealth. Uh, and so onward with our conversation with Mike Conrad. That's why I don't, uh, you know, I'm not like philanthropic. I'm not doing this, you know, for charity. I, I, obviously, it's a marketing plan, but I don't need to look for sponsors or sell ads or get paid paid to say some words uh, because I think that would take away that would that the filters would start popping up, you know, the, and and uh, and there are many, there are several in our space that do that. In fact, there's only a couple that really are ad and sponsor free and. Those are the ones I listen to because I know that they're talking about what they want to talk about. They're talking about things that will help the industry, not things that will help them sell stuff. So, Do you think it affects kind of you and how you create content or do you think it affects the perception of the listeners both, or, or viewers to you? Both. both. I think yeah. if I had a sponsor, say I had uh, company A and I was going to interview company B, which happened to be a competitor to A, that would, that would cause me to be a little too cautious and, mm. and, uh, and the other thing is I don't let my guests get commercial either, which at first they're very uncomfortable with because they just want to sell. And I said, no, 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 we're not going to sell. We're, you know, I, I show their logo. I, I, you know, the buy, you know, when I do the intro, I, 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 I honor who they came from and, and the experience they have. Uh, but they have to, you know, I give them strict instructions. They have to talk about best practices, not their products. They can talk about their products in relation to best practices, but I don't want someone coming on the show. I don't want to be a QVC. You know, where the right. vendor comes on the show and talks about Model X, Model Y, you know, whatever. I want to talk about, you know, the reason their products add, in my case, you know, I talk about reliability. So the, why do, the, do their products add reliability? How do they add reliability? What are the best practices? What are the mistakes people make? What questions should someone ask when they're looking for a product like that? Well, who, who's your ideal customer? You know, those are the things that I think my audience really appreciates. As you've been, you, we were talking before, you've done 135 episodes. And, and I think that one question that a lot of folks have when they're just beginning is like, how can I become a good interviewer so that I can keep the conversation on track? It sounds like you've learned a lot of uh, ways to kind of gently nudge the, the guests back into the lane that, that you've designed the show around. Like, I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, yeah, we can, we can definitely talk about that. that I, I'm very fortunate because much to the um, frustration of my family, I'm the guy that just goes around and talks to people and my wife just goes, 
who are you talking to? You know, like, <laughs> I go on vacation and I have like 17 new Facebook friends. And then like a week later, I'm like, who are these people? You know, but I, I just really enjoy conversation. And, you know, if you want a quiet uh, trip on an airplane and, and you want to snooze off, you don't want to sit next to me because I, I just start talking about what, what do you do? I'm a very curious person. And I've always been that way. I learn by watching and asking and things like that. You know, I'm a college dropout. And, and you know, so I, I learn a lot of stuff. And a few people have asked me, you know, how do you ask such good questions? I said, it's easy. I, I, I'm ignorant on these subjects and I want to learn. So I ask questions that I am curious about. And most of my audience are PhDs and, you know, engineers and things like that and scientists. And, and there's, this, there's this thing in our industry, probably every industry, where when you go to a conference, the speakers want to go like way down the rabbit hole and get super geeky and super technical and you lose 90% of the audience, but they're all ashamed to put their hand up and go, I don't understand the thing you're saying, right? So I've always, before I started the podcast, when I do my public speaking, I always, what I call skim, uh, uh, skim pebbles over the water. I don't go deep. Other people will do that. And I get so many people that come up to me privately after a talk and go, thank you. Now it's the first time someone's explained this. I've never really understood it. And I don't want to be the one guy that goes, uh, sorry, I, I, I don't get it. So I, I speak very simply and, and I ask questions based on a beginner's mindset. And even if I know a little bit about something, I do a lot of research before I interview anybody. So I, I know a little bit about it, but I, but I really don't know it, know it. I've read it and I don't really appreciate it. So I ask questions that fulfill my curiosity. And it turns out my audience has the same curiosity. They're just not, not bold enough to, to ask those questions, lest it makes them look you know, uh, ignorant or something. Yeah, I've heard it described as like the curse of knowledge, right? Where uh, if you're if you're in the industry, you you know things and you kind of assume that everybody knows them. And right. I mean, I find that kind of hard to get around. Like I've been in podcasting as a profession for eight years, and to to talk to a, a prospective new customer who has no idea what we're talking about to to get into, oh, this is an RSS feed and this is how this works and this is how this works, right. uh, is is prohibitive uh, or daunting to to them, and they're you know. They're maybe not super tech savvy, or they just don't have any experience right. with media like this. It's it, it's it's terrible. If you say too much, they'll they'll get scared and not want to do it, right? Because it's yeah. overwhelming. So yeah. I think people learn. I learn in my own cadence. You know, I sometimes people say, you know, don't you wish you knew this before? I'm like, no, because I needed to learn it at the exact synchronistic time because I wasn't yeah. ready to do it before. I wasn't, you know, whatever the case may be. I think things come to you when you're ready to learn and. If you're not ready, the universe, not to get metaphysical, but the universe will go, okay, not ready, no problem. We'll try again in a couple of years. And then all of a sudden it makes sense, right? If the information is presented too soon, you might reject it because you're just not ready to learn it. How do, uh, kind of going back to the independent nature of, of your show, you, you told me before we started recording and it was really great. So we should have, it's the curse, it's the curse of every podcaster. Like you should have been recording from the very beginning that, that you, you had a history at the very beginning of like selling quite a bit in, and like how you presented your, your brand or your company to, to the industry. And then you, you realized not too long ago, right. That it's, it all should be just kind of give an education based, like what was that transition like? I mean, obviously the decision makes a lot of sense and, and we, we hold the same kind of beliefs, but what was that process like for, for kind of you or your business or your brand to say like, Hey, we're giving up the, the promotional kind of maybe pushy bit and we're just going like all in on giving and just kind of hoping that it serendipitously comes back to us. 
Yeah, you know, I, I, I was always a big believer in, mar- you know, I'm a marketing person at heart. I own a manufacturing company, but, you know, I'm a sales guy at heart, right? And we were arrogant, bombastic, bully advertisers. We had, you know, we had a little bit of money, so we just threw everything at advertising. Advertising back in the day were print ads, which then became digital ads. We, we went to, we exhibited in about 12 trade shows a year at an exorbitant budget. And we were selling a particular product that had particular features that nobody really cared about or understood. But we thought, you know, we were very proud of our product. So we would advertise very, you know, all of our stats and specs and, and we'd slam our competitors and, and, you know, hopefully get a sale. And one day I was at a trade show. We had a, a very large booth with this really gnarly waterfall in the booth that, that was, uh, 30 feet wide and 16 feet tall. And it dropped, it was like a giant, the world's largest inkjet printer, basically, only instead of ink, it was water. And it had thousands of nozzles and it would drop water droplets in the shape of images and words. And they would just fall from the sky. And and then we got our equipment in front of it. It it looked really good. And then just before the show opened, uh, an exhibitor came out right after the show opened. An exhibitor came up and said, do you mind if I take a picture? This is the coolest booth I've ever seen. I'm like, sure, of course. You know, I felt proud. And then he asked, he noticed our equipment was on wheels. He goes, any chance you can move your equipment out of the way so I can get a better picture of the waterfall? And at that moment, it was like I got hit with a sledgehammer in the face. It's like, what, what are we doing? You know, it's not about waterfalls. And waterfalls have nothing to do with what we make. That kind of hit me like, okay, we've gone over the edge. We've just, now it's just crazy. And it became very apparent that all we were doing and everyone else in our space, all they were doing is making noise. And no one really cared about the noise. And we just decided, kind of, the genesis of the decision was at that moment, but we decided to stop the madness and switch our efforts and our energy to an education model, not a sales model an education model, because it turns out educated people make educated choices. So we sell a product that fixes a problem that much of our industry faces, but they don't understand the nature of the problem. We do, but they don't. So um, we, we now educate on that problem and others. And, you know, we happen to have a solution, but we don't talk about us. I found the best way to sell your product is not to talk about your product. And in the best way to get, eyes on a screen or your voice into their headphones is by providing value. Give them something they didn't have before. Make it valuable. Even if it's not about what you make, it doesn't matter because people figure out, oh, I, I know that guy. Yeah. And I know what, where he works. I know what he owns. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to him. And it took a while, but we had to build the trust that we're not going to be commercial. On my podcast, we don't have any sponsors. We don't run any commercials. Not that there's anything wrong with that. That's a, that's a solid model for many podcasters. Um, and, and it works. When it works, it works. It frequently doesn't, but when it works, it works. Uh, but that's just not our model. Our model is to provide value. And we're not doing this as a charity. We're not philanthropic. Um, we're doing it as a what we think is a savvy approach to gaining credibility in our space. And you know, we haven't run an ad in, I don't know, eight or 10 years. And our business is flourishing. And I think one of the reasons our business is flourishing is because we're a safe harbor in in otherwise you know gigantic storm of noise coming from everyone else and if they come to us they're not going to get sold they buy we don't sell 
all we do is provide valuable information that solves their problems. And whether they buy from us or someone else, you know, doesn't really matter. I, mean, I, I say that half-heartedly. I mean, obviously, I'd prefer we be the solution to everybody, but that's, but that's not the goal. The goal is provide value. And the podcast platform and webinars and work, live workshops and speaking tours, publishing papers, all of that is in our portfolio of, of tricks. And it, it has just been incredibly successful, particularly the podcast. That's awesome. Two questions related to that. One is, uh, how long did it take to kind of transform your image either internally or like within your industry and your customer's eyes when you went from the kind of pushy sale, not say pushy advertising model to the, to the giving content model? I don't know when the, the traction started uh, exactly. It's one of those things like watching grass grow. You know, you, I, my gardener comes every Thursday and I don't notice how long the grass is until Wednesday afternoon. Just suddenly it's just, like, right. oh my gosh, you know, must, <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. it just grows. And, and the same with what we do, uh, because we're not expecting results, because we don't have a call to action in any of our, our efforts. Um, it's, it's hard to tell, except when I look back historically, you know, I know that we haven't run an ad in years, and I think we've attended one trade show in 10 years because um, our customers kind of forced us to. Uh, so, and I do know that our business is significantly larger than it was before. Now, would that trajectory have happened anyway? Maybe. I don't think so, but maybe. So, I, it, it's a long process. It's not instant gratification. And I like how long? gratification. How long? Like you're 120 episodes or something. How well, long? About is that 120 taken? published episodes right now. Uh, and uh, it, 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 I remember it took about a year to get a thousand downloads. And this is a very niche super subject great, matter. Super it's not niche, something yeah. that Joe Rogan is not concerned about me taking <laughs> over. And Spotify is not you. offering me a, a, an exclusive show. So it's a very niche market and. Um, it took about a year to get a thousand episodes and my wife and I just celebrated. We're like, let's toast a thousand episodes, a thousand downloads. I'm like, this is awesome. And right now we're around 35, 36,000 downloads and it's been about three years. So it's growing. The, I, I don't think it's quite exponential, but it's, it's definitely the trajectory is growing faster and faster. And, and something happened well, probably about six months ago for the first time, I went to a, a conference. I was speaking at a conference as I do regularly. And four or five people approached me and said, you're the guy with the podcast. I'm like, yeah. And, and I, I mean, it made me feel like a little bit of a celebrity in a, in a very macro <laughs> sense. Um, but it, it was just so nice to get that kind of full circle you know, instead of looking at stats, you know, I'm now I, I'm talking to people and, and, and they tell me how much they appreciate the show and they, they don't miss it. And they listen to it in the car or they watch it on YouTube or whatever. We do what you do. We, we do a video version, which almost nobody watches. I mean, very, very people watch, but, it, but the, we do it because I enjoy seeing someone when I talk to them. It's a much better interview. Uh, and some of my viewers would prefer to watch, but because we're a long format show, we're an hour the, the optics of sitting in your cubicle watching a YouTube video for an hour are, are kind of dicey, you know, when your boss comes by. <laughs> Even though it's educational, it's like, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. YouTube. So, well, the majority of my subscribers are on the audio side. 
right? They, they subscribe on their favorite podcast app. And that's where the majority of the people hear my show. And then sometimes I bring a guest on that has some, you know, visual assets and, and, you know, I just tell people that are listening, Hey, you know, this, this particular episode, you might be better watching because there's some visual assets. And I had to get used to describing what was on the screen, you know, mm, knowing that yeah, right. 90% of my audience is not watching it at that moment. So, right. so I've, I've kind of learned to, to bridge that, but that, that's how we do it. Yeah. Yeah. You, you answered my other question, which was like, how, how do you think about like the success of the business or maybe even the cost of, of like marketing and promotion versus ads and things like that? It sounds like the overall impact of the business has been really solid. And, and I would suppose that this route is cheaper than all the money you spend on conferences and, and ads and things like that to, to, to get to the same place. Yeah, the, the, the barrier to entry for a podcast is practically zero. You know, if you own a laptop, then you could be a podcaster tomorrow. Not necessarily a great one, but you can, you can start, right? And the thing about podcasting, it's a little bit like quicksand. The barrier to entry is pretty much zero. And you could do a, a, a fair quality with what you already own. But when I say quicksand, you know, me and Amazon are like, we're like this, you know, we're, we're, we're best friends because all of a sudden I see, oh, Joe Rogan uses the uh, Sure SM7B mic. I think I'll get that, right? And then, you know, I'll get a Rodecaster 2, you know, mixer. Oh, I'll get a subscription to Ecamm. Oh, I'll get, and, and I'll get studio lights. I'll get a transponder. And you can go deep. You can spend thousands or you can spend almost nothing. And, but I'm a big believer in production value. So you're a, a really good content with very poor audio and poor video is not going to be a great podcast, not going to be successful. It's too hard to listen to or watch. Great production value with poor content is also not a good idea. But I think the, 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 the nirvana, uh, what will guarantee success over time, is a decent production quality, which is so easy to do right these days. It's, it's not that expensive. And, um, and obviously good content. So good guests, good questions, you know, good topics, and and anywhere minimum decent to you know good production value, and it's so easy to do. It just it's so easy. Yeah, we have a we have a video on our YouTube channel talking about like this exact thing, which is like my my setup is about two hundred dollars total, two hundred fifty dollars total. You know, and and like I, it, it's good enough, right? It's it's like we have a, a nice looking place behind me. I have a couple of lights. I have a good webcam. I have a pretty good microphone. And I think that like, for me, th this is easier to solve than really great quality, uh, like really great content. You know, really great content takes a ton of time to learn how to be a good interviewer and research the guest and format the show. And that th that's a lifelong kind of journey. Uh, I think like buying this from Amazon or the lights <laughs> or, or whatever yeah. just takes a little bit of money. Yeah, not much. It's surprisingly yeah. not much. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. I agree. And in terms of, you know, you can get the tech pretty cheap and, and then you can get the experience over time. And, you know, my advice, what I did was I started watching a lot of podcasts and I watched good ones for inspiration and I watched bad ones for like negative inspiration. And, and that helped me. And then I went on YouTube, you know, the greatest university in the world, I think is YouTube. And, you know, some of the times I'm taught by like 12 year old Russian kids or something, you know, how to do something. I'm like, oh, God, there goes my ego, right? Here's a 62 year old, like being taught how to do something technical by a kid, but they know. And then I joined some communities, you know, of, of fellow podcasters. Uh, the recording platform I use has their community. And, and I found that very helpful with, you know, the technical challenges and, and workarounds and hacks and things like that. 
Uh, and then most of the time I spend now is researching. I put a lot of research into a guest. I, I usually go online. I look at anything on YouTube that they've published, or I read all their technical papers. And, you know, I, I share the proposed questions. I ask them for their input on the questions because I don't know what I don't know. And if there's something they really want to talk about, they can kind of cue me up with a, with a question. Uh, and so it's, it's somewhat collaborative and nothing comes as a surprise. And then we go off the rails all the time. You know, we, all of a sudden an answer spawns a question I didn't anticipate. And, but I do try and, you know, steer it back. I don't want to ambush my, my guests. But the good thing is I record, I pre-record everything. Nothing's live. I, I don't find as much value in live as I do pre-recorded live things go south. And, and now it's, and now everyone sees it pre-recorded. If things go south, if a cat walks between the camera and my guest, or a gardener shows up at the window with a leaf blower, that never happened, right? I can, I can, I can fix it in post. So it's, it's incredibly easy and getting easier to produce a podcast that is watchable or listenable. I won't rehash it, but, but that was fantastic advice on how to prep yourself and the guest for the interview. So uh, I like folks just rewind two minutes and, and listen to that again, because like Mike has it nailed with, with how to prepare for a guest. And, and I think it's a sign of being a real pro is, is knowing who you're talking to prepare yourself and them. Uh, and so fantastic parting advice for us here, Mike. Thanks so much. Um, for folks who want to kind of learn out, learn more about you, check out the show. Where's the best place to go? MikeConrad.com is kind of a, just a general, that's not my company. That's just, you know, that's a, a, a portal to the content that I create to the podcasts and speaking gigs and things like that. If you just want to see what we do, the show is called Reliability Matters, and it's a show about the reliability of circuit assembly. So anything that you own, all the gear in front of you, that, that comes from companies like us, right? And, and we make all that stuff. Uh, and you're, so you know, we want it to be reliable. And so I talk about the reliability of electronics and the products that we make help add reliability to our customers' products. Our, our products don't make anything. We, our products, we build giant machines that don't make a thing. It just makes their customers, our customers' products more reliable. So it's, it's an extra value-added process. Um, so I'm into reliability. So the show is called Reliability Matters. Awesome. This is really great, Mike. I, I learned a ton and, and super inspiring to hear like your story and, and like the, the journey that you've been on from like a, a, like a business and a content perspective. So thanks so much. Well, thanks for having me on, Craig. I really appreciate it. And good luck with your business. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of The Limelight. If you're enjoying this show, check out our other podcasts we have in the Castos Originals Network at castos.com slash podcasts. We'll see you next week.